welcome to the OK Strike That Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your co-host, Christian Betleon, and I'm joined with... Will Hendrick. Pizza Fonte. Now let's get into the show. So on this first episode, we're going to talk about some of the free agent activity and trade activity that we've seen during the offseason and what it means to us as far as the new destinations for the players. So with that, we will get episode one underway. You know, what do you guys think about Quig getting traded from the Dodgers to the Reds? And then I guess to a lesser extent, Kemp and Wood also getting traded. I mean, I know Pete, you love Matt Kemp, so you probably have strong feelings about him. I do, however, I'm a little off on him now that I dropped him right before he went off last year. But I mean, I'll start with Puig. I I think that he he makes the Reds better, obviously. I think he can him and Vado him and Vado will probably work well together in the sense that I mean, I don't know where he's going to bat. He's going to bat before Votto, after Votto, but Votto will get on base for him because of the amount of walks he draws and everything like that. But, you know, I think that it could work the opposite way too. Having Puig in front of him will help Votto maybe, you know, see more pitches or something like that. I don't know, but I, it makes me curious as to like what the Dodgers are, are doing. I know that's not really well, related. But. I think the Dodgers really did it for one reason. It's to free up salary space. Homer Bailey and Matt Kemp's contracts are pretty much a wash and they just saved a ton of money in arbitration. So trying to get that Bryce Harper signing, but which sounds pretty unlikely right, now. They so, haven't so even they'll have involved. some they'll have some money here this year to use it. And frankly, Jeter Downs and Josiah Gray are supposedly legitimate prospects, but that's true. So know. where would you guys draft Quig? Um I think he's probably a top forty outfielder, but closer to that 40 mark, probably puts him in 120, 130 overall player. And so what's the math on that? Fifth round? Um, in a standard draft, that would be like the 12th or 13th round. So you're saying my math was pretty off there. I would, I would probably agree with that, Christian, but I think that his, he has pretty high upside. I think he can get to top 20 outfielder, you know, given the right situation, and then obviously the producing as well. There is no shot he lasts until the 12th round. There's no shot. I don't think so either. That, but. I think that's a that's that's where I would value just, him. I probably wouldn't draft him higher than that. He he obviously can benefit from a change of scenery. Cincinnati's a little bit of a more hitter friendly park than he was previously. So there's some good signs for him there. But you know, I, I wouldn't want to reach for him. I don't see I don't see him really breaking out. Uh, I, I disagree. I I'm gonna so Come I would draft him as high up as probably round six. And he I think he's a five category contributor. And as long as he can stay healthy, I actually think the move is a good one. I bet you, what do you think Christian has home run and stolen base total was from last year? Um, I think he probably had the 21 home runs, something like that. Yeah. So 23 home runs, 15 stolen bases, and not even one of his best years, 267 average. So I think 12th round is kind of underselling him. I think he, if he goes that late, then jump on it. And if, you know, I, I would take him as early as round seven. You know, on the flip side of the trade, I, I think the Reds are probably pretty happy adding both Twig, Kemp to the core of Votto and Eugenio Suarez and Scooter Jeanette. Scooter Jeanette had a great year last year. So they, they, the Reds actually have a decent offense this year which is sort of a new thing for Joey Votto. He had a horrendous year last year. I think he had less than 20 home runs for the first time in his career. And at the same time, led the National League in on-base percentage. So in some ways, he like trolled his, his owners all year long with empty 
statistics, you know, high, high OPS, but really no power to show for it. So I, I really think Joey Votto is a big benefit from this trade. I think I agree. Uh, he, he to first rounder for you? back to being one of the better hitters in baseball coming off last year was just terrible. So first rounder for you? No, I wouldn't say Joey Votto is a first rounder, but definitely, a, definitely third, third. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I think in an on-base percentage league, like our keeper league happens to be, I think I think you could make a pretty good argument that he's a first or second round player. I'd say yeah, definitely I mean, second round. I would be comfortable taking him. No, the, no. The confusing thing about last year is that none of those underlying numbers are off. His batted ball, strikeout to, to walk rate, his contact and exit velocity numbers are all consistent over the last couple of years. So there's really nothing that sticks out that is a reason why his power numbers went down. Probably because he was dealing with some injuries, but he denies that he even had an injury and he claims he had a mechanical flaw in his swing. So who the hell knows? Yeah. I mean, I would agree though, that, that maybe Puig is the one that push puts it over the edge in combination with Suarez and Jeanette Nalvado, just to make it life more easier for Joey. Yeah. I, the last thing to mention on the trade and someone we didn't even really talk about is Matt Kemp. Great fantasy year last year. I don't see that continuing again. He's 34, which no. is fine, but I feel like owners pretty much held their breath all year last year, owning him, just waiting for that injury to derail the season. It didn't and presumably, if you owned him last year, you were trying to sell him the entire year. Exactly. And and I owned him, and I dropped him because he got injured, and they were just pretty much like, yeah, all right, he's not going to find time in the outfield now because he's going to be injured. Uh, I think a theme that will probably show itself in our podcast for as long as we do it is that we – devalue starting pitching but i do just quickly want to touch on alex wood uh he's a favorite of a lot of people into the fantasy circles so what do you guys think about him uh i mean my quick thoughts are he'll probably be overrated in drafts um i think he probably was already with the dodgers now he goes to cincinnati where he'll probably get shelled quite often Uh, i would agree i like you said i devalue starting pitchers 100% 100% I do it. Um, so people like Alex Wood that are not like those, I'm pretty much only get excited about the top of the line starters. Alex Wood's kind of like that middle of the road guy. You know, he's going to have solid seasons. He's going to get it done for you, but it's just not really sexy. And I agree that that stays the same. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously it. moving to, to Cincinnati, which is a hitter-friendly park. And who knows? If the Cincinnati actually has a decent offense, maybe he actually does have some run support. But, he, I mean, it was – he had a great 2017 and then kind of had a step back in 2018. So I, I could see him going either direction. All right. Well, with that, let's move on. Daniel Murphy signed with the Rockies. I never, I feel like I never know what the Rockies are doing in the off season. Um, I mean, presumably they have some sort of an idea, but uh, so what do you guys think about Daniel Murphy? Uh, normally most people just assume going to course uh, automatic bump. What do you think? I'm going to jump in here because obviously both of you know I'm a huge Daniel Murphy fan. I think that it's a great spot for him. Just, I think, you know, I followed him closely. I've, I've owned him a lot in the past. Um, I think his swing is good for cores. I think the way he hits is good for cores. He can play anywhere, so he's going to find a spot in that lineup. Whereas when he was with the Cubs last year, he, he lost a lot of at-bats because he couldn't really fit in anywhere. Um, I think that they'll bounce him around. He'll get lineups. And, and barring staying healthy, I think that the – Cores will help his production a lot. I mean, he's consistently bats 300 for like the past five seasons now. Um, last season, you know, he didn't have the stats to back it up as far as home runs, RBIs, but he still did bat 300. He just didn't have the at-bats. I think so, Cores helps him a lot. So where are you valuing him in terms of second baseman? 
second baseman. I mean, I don't think I still don't think he's a top 10 second baseman right now. Um, but I, I definitely put him, you know, just on the fringe with with some upside to to sneak in there if if course is friendly to him. So like who would you rather own him or Scooter Jeanette? I feel like you got to ride Scooter Jeanette now, especially with the additions that the Reds are making. I mean, he's younger. He had a great year last year. I mean, Murphy's getting older and he didn't have as good a year last year, but I do think the potential is there for Murphy. But to answer your question, probably Scooter Jeanette. All right, one more and then we'll let Christian jump in here. Would you take him or DJ LeMahieu? I mean, I think I still go LeMahieu. He's, he's, a, he's a contact hitter in Yankee Stadium. I think the stadium change doesn't necessarily help LeMahieu because he's coming from course, but I don't think it'll hurt him as much as people do think. I will say I'll take Murphy over both of them. And so I guess for me, that means I think Murphy's a top 10 second baseman. And I didn't think I'd be saying that, but here we go. Yeah. I mean, he, he hit 300, like Pete said, he had come, coming off two fantastic seasons, only played 91 games last year for some knee injury and, you know, all of the stuff with the Cubs, but moving to cores is a nice uptick. I like, I like Murphy. I think he's a top 10 first uh, second baseman. I think he probably comes in at nine or 10. If I had to take him or Scooter Jeanette, I'd probably take Scooter Jeanette, but it's by one spot. I'd probably put Scooter Jeanette at nine and Daniel Murphy at 10. Yeah. I, so it sounds like we're all, we like the move. Um, I think health, you know, obviously will be the biggest thing with him. Yeah. And I think part of what holds me back is that I've been such a Daniel Murphy fan that I think I overvalue him. So just trying to not go that route um, because last year it didn't work out so well. So let's, uh, Let's move on to Profar getting traded from the Rangers to the A's. Uh, I think, you know, from just a baseball perspective, this was a, another savvy move from the A's. You know, I think they're, they're not necessarily buying low, but they're getting a controllable player who has pretty good upside. And so I'll, I'll just start off by saying maybe Profar doesn't start off as completely relevant to uh, people in standard leagues immediately, but we play again in a keeper league. And he's someone I'm going to be targeting in our keeper league. And I think in standard leagues, he's going to have relevance this year. And uh, I, I like his upside. And I think change of scenery will do him some good. Yeah, I mean, he, he actually produced for the first time ever. He's like one of those prospects that we were just waiting on producing. So 20, 20 and 10 in a, almost 150 games is, it's a, I mean, a decent, a decent number coming from a, a utility guy. It's, it looks like he's going to be the starting second baseman. and Surprisingly enough, he actually doesn't have second base eligibility in, on most uh, sites, but uh, he'll be adding that second base eligibility again. I would project him as, I don't know, maybe roughly the 15th or 16th second baseman. That makes him pretty useful as a middle infield spot. I wouldn't say he's going to be my number one second baseman, but uh, definitely a plug and play guy for middle infield slots. And he has eligibility all over the diamond. Yeah. So he once he does get second base, he'll he'll have three or four spots you can plug him in. I agree. When I when I saw his his name here, you know, I want to not like it just because of how long it took him to actually start producing. Uh, but when you look at his numbers last year, I mean, they're there at least they're they're starting. Um, and I think you know, in the right spot, and the A's have a already a good lineup. Um, plug him in there, and and I think he can really be an asset and and pad his stats. Yeah, I mean he hit twenty home runs with ten yeah. stolen bases last year, so um, a little bit under the radar, especially since the Rangers had a down year. Um, Andrew Miller signed with the Cardinals. Do we care? Do either of you care? I do. I think it's a good spot for him. 
Uh, there's definitely some save opportunities. There's really not an, a truly established closer. He'll have some competition from Jordan Hicks and Alex Reyes, but I could easily see Andrew Miller taking the job and probably a middle tier closer, you know, maybe 15th over 15th, 20th overall closer. So not getting into closer strategy at all, leaving that aside, but let's just say you were drafting closers. Is he someone you wouldn't mind drafting? I mean, I, I'll tell you, I, I drafted him two years ago and I couldn't get rid of him soon enough because he kind of shared the role. And I feel like that Cardinals bullpen is always kind of like that, at least recently. I, I'm kind of staying away from him, even if he is back to normal. It really depends on his role. You know, if spring training comes and he's looking like a favorite as a closer, I definitely take him, you know, in, in later rounds to try to bolster, you know, your closer uh, setup. But, 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 but you're right. I mean, you're not, you're not drafting this guy with a lot of confidence. I think because of the experience that he's had gives him the, the early lead as a favorite to, to become the closer and to get save opportunities. But I think that he has a short leash given their, their bullpen. And obviously, if you're in a holds league, uh, he's kind of a no-brainer draft because Absolutely. then you have holds and saves. Okay, uh, Ian Kinsler signed with the Padres. Just quickly, from my perspective, I don't know why the Padres did this. They have young talent in the middle infield. It's frustrating as someone who wants the hottest and newest prospect. You know, Kinsler's an okay player these days, but uh, I don't really understand the move. So. Any relevance here for you guys from Kinsler? I'm avoiding. I mean, he had he hit 240 this year or last year, uh, had 14 homers and 48 RBIs heading to San Diego. I'm not very interested. I'm not either. Um, I think they kind of made the move to have a veteran presence for those young guys. You know, he's he's aging quickly. Um, he was not very healthy at all last season. Um, just speaking from experience, he went through a couple different uh, stretches where he had like a bunch of home runs and a bunch of RBIs in a week or two, and then he just died for a month. Not very consistent anymore. He'll still put up some decent numbers when all is said and done, but you can't rely on him. Yeah, he's a big name, so I wanted to throw it out there uh, since he is moving places, but I agree with all that. Um, okay, so another kind of blockbuster move, and we'll just talk about all these players together, talk about who you want. Uh, so Edwin uh, was traded. Uh, he's currently with the Mariners. Doesn't really seem like he's going to end up there, but for now we can pretend he will. Uh, Carlos Santana back with the Indians, Jake Bowers with the Indians and Yandy Diaz with the Rays. So what do you guys think about this? I mean, in terms of values, do you like the moves for any of these guys or what what do you think? I think that for, I'm going to start with Edwin. Um, I don't think it really matters honestly too much where he goes between Toronto and Cleveland. Uh, over the past, since 2013, he's had one season where he hasn't had over 100 RBIs, always over 30 home runs. I think he's just a consistent enough player to where you're going to get the 30 plus home runs, the 100 plus RBIs, and he's going to sit around 250. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at him. He's 36 years old. His 810 OPS was the worst uh, he's had in a long time. He's going to Seattle, which is obviously a much worse offense than he was in previously. Um, obviously, he's going to hit home runs. I think he's probably going to have a worse season than he did last year, just kind of on that downward trend as a 36-year-old. I, I still peg him as a, just an outside top 10 first baseman. I mean, he, he probably comes in around number 12, something like that. He probably makes my top 10. Um, Mine too. But he's probably right around 10. Uh, so, I mean, who are you – are you taking – Christian, are you going to take Joey Gallo over him? 
You know, I, I like Edwin better. His, you know, you get both average and 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 decent pop. With Gallo, you're really sacrificing average. So, you know, dependent upon your league, if you're in a, you know, OPS or, or an on-base heavy league as opposed to, you know, batting average, then maybe maybe I'd go Gallo. But most leagues, I'm thinking Edwin. I agree. I, you know, I think what's also interesting is Jake Bowers. Maybe the Rays know something that we don't. Yeah, I'm intrigued by him, but in ESPN leagues, he only has first base eligibility, whereas last year he had duel with the outfield. I'm definitely less interested in him as a first baseman for fantasy purposes. Um, having him as an outfielder so I could flex in there, I found more valuable. But, you know, I'm interested to see what he does at Cleveland. He could be relevant. He's young. He has a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. It's really dependent upon how much playing time he gets. I don't know if he will get full playing time but um if he does there's it could be you know late 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 round flyer santana and diaz they, they seem like players max would own i mean what do you guys think in terms of him <laughs> carlos of- santana his batting average is so terrible it's hard to use him as a starting first base why do people I, like him i, I don't no understand idea. it i he he has got to be one of the most criminally over owned players out there i i don't understand it i'm sure he's a nice guy but i, I don't get it he does walk. I mean, he's he's a little bit more valuable in an OBP or an OPS league. And he doesn't really strike out. His strikeout rate's really low. He strikes out like 12% of the time. Um, I don't know. He's probably like 18th ranked first baseman. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. And the thing is, is, is I just feel like I can stream his numbers. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I hate him. I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> like him. I don't like him. How do you really feel? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, he had, uh, he had that one big year in 2016. He hit 34 home runs. Uh, I think that sticks in a lot of people's minds now and on why they, they, they still think he's at that caliber, which he's clearly not. He dropped down to 23. Last year was 24. He sits around the 20 home run mark. That, that's where he's going to land. I don't know. I mean, back with the Indians, that should help him a little bit, but I don't really think it does much. I think people just are like reminiscing over the days he had catcher eligibility and forget that he doesn't play catcher anymore and draft him and think, oh, whoops. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, so anyway, yeah, take away. I am down on Carlos Santana. I am every year, so not news. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, Michael Brantley signs with the Astros. Christian probably in love with this move, I'm assuming. I think this is a great signing for the Astros. He <laughs> really hit over 300 last year, and it, it's, he's likely going to replicate that. His stolen bases might decrease. He hit. He only had 12 last year anyway, but he'll probably still have less uh, coming up this year. He'll hit high teens in the home runs. I mean, I think he's at least a number four outfielder on your team. Um, so I think that would make him a utility guy in most three outfielder leagues. But any leagues that have you know more outfield spots, Brantley becomes really valuable player. I agree. Oh, I, I agree. What like player like Brantley is like my one of my favorite type of players to draft. I always try to get at, at least one of them as many as I can. But he's just consistent across the board. You're going to get production in every category from him, and there's not too many players that provide it consistently like he does. And obviously, throwing him onto the Astros just helps him and the team a lot. Is there a playing time issue there, though? I feel like they got they're going to find time for him because I mean they have Springer, they have him. They have Tucker, presumably, and I guess maybe starting in the minors. They have Kemp, um, and then they have Mriznik. I mean, they have they have some outfield depth, and they do like to rotate. I mean, of of all the people, it seems like he would be the one to sit out 
more regularly. I mean, do you, do either of you care? Are you I mean, worried? I would, I would honestly play him over Tony Kemp. You know, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to to sit him after you you give him this right. contract, right? I mean, he got a thirty two million dollar deal over two years, so they didn't do that to to sit him. So, where do you value him? Do you value him? Do you want Michael Conforto or do you want Michael Brantley? Michael Brantley. Do you want Brantley or Justin Upton? Justin Upton. Yeah. Yeah, I probably agree with both those. Brantley or your boy Mitch Haniger. Mitch Haniger. Yeah, I agree too. Yeah, so I think I think we have similar values. Let me see. One one more for you. Interesting one because he's not signed as of right now. But uh, Michael Brantley or AJ Pollock. Both have injury concerns. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. <Yeah>. Coin toss. <laughs> uh, I'll go Brantley. He's on a team. I'm gonna go there Pollock. Pollock to me has a chance to be just like a, a hidden gem every year. He he'll probably be injured again, but catcher position, maybe in another podcast, we can go over kind of strategies for what we think in terms of catchers. But so Ramos signs with the Mets, um, you know, anything of note here? The only thing I, I thought, I mean, he, he has, he hits for average. He's a solid average hitter that will continue in city field. However, I think he loses a little bit of power there. It's a big ballpark. Um, and then I honestly, I don't know if I just say, if I'm saying this, cause I don't like them. I just feel like being on the Mets hurts anybody. Uh, sure. Billy will appreciate that comment. That's exactly right. <laughs> Going to the Mets never helped anybody. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen it work out well. Having well, said that, there's so few relevant catchers. Wilson Ramos is probably a top 10 catcher and has upside to be a top five catcher. I don't really like drafting catchers until the end, but you can probably target Ramos as a tier two catcher. I mean, he, he, he'll, he'll at least give you solid, solid numbers at the position. Relevant or... Um, in comparison to what else you can get at the catcher position. Yeah, I think that's uh, a good summary of his value. And he's just going to be – he's going to play. Barring injury, he's just going to play all the time. And honestly, for me, that's one of the primary things. I'm just looking for a catcher. Are, and and, and last year, he was in somewhat of a weird situation. I don't know. So, so yeah, I, I think I think he, he has top, you know, top five upside, but uh, very well I, could be. I owned him last year. Very happy with his production. Uh, he was a guy who, who never killed my batting average, who you could look the next day at the box score, see some hits, maybe a home run. But he was never going 0 for 5, really, uh, with 4Ks. I had other people on my team to do that for me. So um, I, I think from a catcher position, you could definitely do worse. But I agree with your evaluation of him. I would, I, I agree in, to an extent on waiting on a catcher, but I think he's one of the, the few that I wouldn't mind taking in the earlier rounds of the draft and not waiting until round 15 to take a catcher. So let's talk about two guys going to the fills right now, McCutcheon and Skira. I don't know, it, it, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, Skira has actual value. What about McCutcheon, though? Let's start there. Well, as a Phillies fan, I love it. He uh, obviously had an average year last year, but you know he still had a 370 on base percentage. Mm-hmm. And the number that I find that sticks out a lot is his hard hit average is the highest that it's ever been, actually by a couple percentage points. Which you know, being in that ballpark and um, being a little bit unlucky, you know, I think uh, you know his bat in a lineup that could very well be explosive pending, you know, free agent signings right now. Um, he could, he could be, you know, in line for a comeback year. I, I, you know, I'm high on him and frankly, I project him to be a top 30 outfielder. I think he's going to be a good, 
Whoa, top Top. 30 outfielder. So you're taking them over Puig then? Uh, That's a tough one. Puig probably still. uh, Because you said Puig top 40 earlier in the show. Yeah, I, I like McCutcheon. I'm a I'm yeah. a Phillies fan. I want to see him do well. And I frankly, I think that hard hit percentage, I really yeah, think could be a big you, you deal. You kind of sold me at the hard hit percentage. <laughs> well, I I'm I'm rethinking my my stance on this. Do you, Do you think that if, as it seems now, the Phillies sign Bryce Harper, do you think that hurts his chance at playing time at all? McCutcheon's. Uh, no, definitely doesn't hurt his playing time. So uh, he's playing out no matter what. Yeah, he'll play no matter what. So who's in the outfield if they sign Harper? They, right now, they have Aaron Altair and Nick Williams, as well as Odubel Herrera. So, if Bryce Harper were to sign with the Phillies, most likely it would be a Harper, uh, Odubel, and um, McCutcheon outfield. And Reese is at first. Just uh, correct. Yeah, just Reese, Reese with uh, Carlos Santana going out of town actually gets to go back to his primary position. But yeah, you know, I so I just pulled up the number that I found. So last year, his hard hit uh, percentage was forty three point four percent. The year prior was 35%. year prior to that was 35 year prior to that was 39 year prior to that was 40 So we're really in some of the prime years for Andrew McCutcheon production. And he he hit the ball harder by three, four percentage points last year than he did any other year. So, I mean, I, I think both of them um, are – I'd be looking at to, to join my team just because the Phillies are obviously going to be better than they were last year, especially if they sign Bryce Harper. I think that's going to be a loaded lineup. Um, I think both of them will contribute to it. Being a Yankee fan, seeing McCutcheon last year play every day um, once they traded for him, like like you said before, he gets on base. Uh, I was actually surprised at the amount of walks he would draw because I'm like, why is McCutcheon batting leadoff? And then I realized that every game he'd start off the game with a walk, it seems. So I, I, his on base is there. And then, like you said, he's hitting the ball hard. And I think, uh, you know, he does that. And then everything, everyone around him is going to do well as well, I think. So I think the Phillies, I'd be high on any Phillies in the lineup next year. And, you know, just to touch on Segura, I think he's an annual 300 hitter. Uh, he's a lock for 20 stolen bases. He's down a little bit on stolen bases from a few years ago where he was running wild, but um, he should be running in Philadelphia. They're, they're fairly aggressive on the base pads, and I project him to be the 12th overall shortstop. So how early are you drafting him? That's a tough question. Um, Would you draft Segura over Glaber Torres? Probably, yes. Good comp. I I... I... I don't know that that's a tough one for me. I think I go Torres. Um, I think Torres might, might have more of an all around profile uh, for fantasy's perspective, but and it's if close. We're talking at all about a dynasty or multi-year keeper league in any capacity. Obviously Glaber Torres takes, takes that one because he's just um, sure. got such upside for the future. Okay. So I'm going to, skip around a little bit here off of our agenda uh but there's some guys i want to make sure we hit billy hamilton moves to the royals and i you know i'm going to start with with this guy because i haven't ever had the pleasure of owning him he always goes and drafts way, way too rich too for me i just can't do it i just can't do it and so i'm curious to see where he gets drafted this year very curious but last year he could barely hit the ball. I think his average, I have in my notes here, two, 230s. He hit in the 230s last year. Okay? Not good. Not good. Not, especially from an outfielder with no power. Not good. He still stole 34 bases. I, 
I mean, he's barely on base. So I saw a percentage. I mean, he's he's up there in terms of his steal attempts. I think this move to the Royals, I'm hoping other people don't overvalue him like they do every year. I'm actually high on him going into this year. I, I think it's a good move. I like him. I think he's a category winner. Who are you guys? I agree. I mean, the 34 stolen bases last year, and he's going to a Royals team who was the most aggressive uh, base stealing team in the league last year. Uh, so that helps him a lot. You know, I think if he's healthy, he hits at least 230. He's in line for 40-plus stolen bases. You know, I could see him as fifth outfielder and is obviously a big target for the one-category contribution he's in. So depending on your league, if it's a categories league, you're going to end up reaching for a guy like Billy Hamilton because he makes such a big contribution in that one category. If you're in something like a points league, um, you're probably going to let him go a little bit a little bit further down because you can get the same point point numbers from from other players. I agree, uh, but I, I think Billy Hamilton in a in a category league is always going to be overdrafted because of that one category and how much he provides to it. I'm usually not a fan just because the value, like you said, Willie, the value is is never there. He always goes way too early, and for the value, yeah, obviously it's a steal, no pun intended. But um, it also depends on how you build your team. If I have a guys guys that aren't high in average, I'm not going to go get Billy Hamilton just to get stolen. But if I have a bunch of 300 hitters, maybe I'll take a little bit of a reach for him because knowing that I have the backup for the average there, then he'll help me with stolen bases. And I, for me, he's one of the type of guys, I think if assuming we ever get listeners, what listeners will find out is I love to trade. And the people who know me and who are in leagues with me already know this, but I love to trade. He's the type of guy for me that I'm targeting in a, in a draft to try and trade mm-hmm. because he gets off to a good start. All of a sudden, everyone knows his name that you can just sell the hype. I, I really, and even if I can't sell him, he's going to win me category. So I'm just saying, I think he's an attractive piece. I don't think he's going to be overvalued this year necessarily. So I'm buying uh, let's group a couple pitchers together here. We have Jay A. Half resigned with the Yankees, Morton going to the Rays, and Patrick Corby going to the Nationals. Um, what do you guys think? Anything stand out to you with them? Uh, the one comment I have on this group is I really have no idea why Charlie Morton signed with the Rays. I had him last year, and I liked him a lot up until he got hurt. He was my second-best starting pitcher behind Scherzer. You know, he was always good for a quality start and six to 10 strikeouts every game. And it was just, he was a reliable pitcher for me in in the categories league. I just don't really see what value the Rays bring him. I feel like if he could have played the market a little more, he could have gone to a little bit of a better team. I still do like him, but not as much now that he's on the race. Yeah, I mean, in, in um, of the players that you mentioned in order, I like Corbin, then Morton, then Jay Happ. I do like all of them, but you know, Corbin broke out last year. You know, three point one five ERA, a one point oh five WHIP. Probably have another big year with Washington. He had an eleven K per nine, which is elite. Uh, I see Corbin as a top twenty five starting pitcher, and I'm confident drafting him in the top one hundred. Wow. The thing that scares me with Corbin is I see a lot of similarities between him and Robbie Ray two years ago. Robbie Ray was the same way, broke out, high strikeout per nine, elite. And then he just was terrible last year. I know he got hurt. He got hit in the head with the ball, whatever. He wasn't that good before that. And I see a little bit of regression from Corbin, but I could, I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps it up. He's a little bit younger than Ray, I think. And, um, but it, that just, that part scares me, you know, looking at what happened with Robbie Ray. I also think 
moving to the to the NL East from the NL West is probably going to be helpful for him. I, I know that the NL East is reloading, but you get a couple games to get the Marlins. Here. Hey, Mar, I, that is exactly what I was going to say. I, I feel like you get to play the Marlins as many times as you get to play the Marlins in at Miami. I mean, those are. Can you imagine? I mean, he's going to be like a the number one ranked pitcher any day that he's playing the Marlins. I actually, I actually like all three of the guys. I, I like Morton with the Rays. I, I like Hap with the Yankees. I think Hap might might actually get overlooked because uh, he's been out there so long. But his K nine and his ERA last year and, and what he brought brought to the fantasy teams was uh, was definitely up there. So well, he had a great half year with the Yankees. I mean, he was oh, yeah. with a two point six nine ERA with them and you know i think he's in line for probably another good year with them he's got such good run support i could see him being a top 50 pitcher yeah i would agree with that i think a lot of people may look down on him or value him lower because of what happened to him in the playoffs i know it's only one game it doesn't matter but people look at that kind of stuff and and it sticks with them i agree i mean obviously being a yankee fan i watched him the entire second half of the year i mean he got it was the same thing every single every single time he pitched he gave you a solid outing the Yankees were in a shot to chance to win the game if they weren't winning when he left. And he's just very consistent pitcher. He's going to get strikeouts. He's going to keep the ERA low and he's going to get you quality starts in, in the categories league. So here, I'll throw you guys out a couple names with Hap here. So would you both want Hap or Chris Archer? Archer. I would go Hap. Yeah, I'm going to go Archer, uh, but it's close. Hap or Charlie Morton? Morton. Morton. And is that for both of you guys based off strikeouts, I'm assuming? I mean, that's where I, I think I, I like his strikeout potential more. Well, yeah, you know, I think Charlie Morton is just, uh, I mean, he's 35 years old. He obviously rediscovered himself two years ago. He's coming off, you know, his best year yet at that three, you know, 3.180 ERA. And he had over 200 Ks last year, which is crazy to even think. Corbin, I could see maybe being a top 40 pitcher and Hap I see as that top 50 pitcher. So they're not far apart, but I do, I do like Morton a little bit better. So one last one here, Hap or Tanaka, teammates here. <laughs> Christian loves Tanaka. I like Tanaka better. <laughs> you know, give me J.A. Hap. I, I agree Tanaka's got the higher upside, but Hap, I think, I think you just said it, Christian. I mean, he, he top 50 seems about right to me, and I think you're, you're getting that. Tanaka, I feel like you might look at the box score one day, and he's going to have 50 earned runs. I, I just I can't trust him. I, I'm never drafting him. He uh, he closed out the year very strong last year. Tanaka did, but I mean, so did Hap. I I value them very equal, but I think fantasy wise, I would probably just go with Hap because I feel like Tanaka's elbow is just a ticking time bomb. It's just gonna yeah, he's got that slight tear, and I think it's just a matter of time. There are just some pitchers that you throw out there, and you say, you know, he could literally throw a perfect game today. Or he could get bombed. And for me, Tanaka is one of those players. Uh, let's move on. Let's make sure we surely hit Goldie traded to the Cardinals. I'm actually surprised that this doesn't get more run in kind of the, the off-season fantasy news cycles and even outside the fantasy, just in baseball in general. I mean, we're talking about perennial top t- top five, top ten player past how many, many years getting traded. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts? I'm I'm loving this move for him. He wasn't a top ten player last year. 
I mean, his RBIs were down to 83 from 120 the year prior. He was below the Mendoza line at the end of May. So he had a really strong second half in order to get back to the numbers that he did. Um, I could see him getting back into the top 10 players, though, in St. Louis. I mean, that's a pretty opportunistic place to play. I definitely could see him being a top 10 player this year. I agree. I, I think this move helps him a lot. I've always been weary of Goldsmith. I honestly don't even know why, but I love this move. I think throwing him into St. Louis um, helps him and helps them a lot. I'm high on a lot of Cardinals this year, him obviously being one of them. I don't know that I'd take him in the first round, but I would be willing to reach a little bit for him this year. I think he ends up being the top fantasy first baseman. So I would be willing to draft him in the first round. I, I would I would hope not. I So you take I'll, him over Freddie Freeman. I, I'm gonna take him over Freddie Freeman. Okay. And I know that might sound I know that might sound crazy based off purely last year. For me, if you gave me an over under of thirty home runs, I'm taking the over. If you give me an over under of hundred RBIs, I'm taking the over. Give me an over under of 10 stolen bases, I'm probably taking the over. And you give me a batting average of 280, I'm taking the over. So to me, if I'm taking the over on all these numbers, I'm thinking that's that's a first round pick and arguably the top first vision. Freeman, for me, one of the biggest concerns is I feel like he always has uh, some injuries that pop up. He's obviously a, a top player, but I mean, that's, that's a kind of a concern I, I always have with him. That's fair. I mean, I think that they're very close. Um, and I think that Goldschmidt, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if he went off and had, oh, you know, everything over. I guess with that, let's move on to a few more before we close out this first episode. Uh, Josh Donaldson signs with the Braves. Are we liking this? If he's healthy, he could have a huge season. The big question is if. I think it's so unlikely how- that he does stay healthy. I'm not very confident in drafting him, but he could be a gigantic sleeper in the middle rounds. It's really all based on that health, and I'm not very confident. I agree. I'm staying away. I'm not willing to take that risk, but I know some people will, and it could pay off for them. I'm not willing to. I've followed him in the past enough to just like read things people and doctors have said about him, and it's like he's like they're like um, everything's shot. It just seems like yeah he'll start off the season all right, but his his limbs are just going to deteriorate deteriorate as the season goes into the summer. But just to confirm, Pete, you are not a medical doctor, correct? No, I am not. <laughs> okay, glad to uh, that one up. <laughs> <laughs> We wouldn't be on this podcast if I was. I'm very curious where he's going to be drafted. I think that that's going to be the key. I, I I just throw out last year. I mean, looking at his numbers and preparing for this, I mean they're they're terrible. But I, I if I said to you over or under 25 home runs, what are you guys saying? Under. I'll take the over. I'll take I'll take the over too. Um, that ballpark. It's okay. It's not as good as Turner Field was, but a couple of years ago, we were talking about him as MVP, you know, the home run king, right? Yeah. I mean, he's he he's got power. If he stays on the field, he'll he'll produce. I saw on a fancy projection website that he was projected for ten stolen bases on their site, and said that they have no idea what they're doing. There's no chance he steals ten bases. No. I don't. I don't know this for a fact. We don't have a fact checker, but I would venture to guess he's yeah. never stolen ten bases ever, and he has, like Pete said like one calf left so I, I don't think that's happening so just be beware of some some of the projections you see out there i mean does he have the ability maybe still 10 bases yeah but there's no shot he's even trying because like you said his legs don't work 
I would say he doesn't even have the ability. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his last couple of years, he stole two in 2018. Obviously, he barely played. The last year he played over 100 games was 17. He had two. In 16, he had seven. And in 14, he had eight. Six. So I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. Yeah. Yeah. So we got Cano and Edwin Diaz going to the Mets. Jay Bruce going to the M's. I don't really care about Jay Bruce. I'm yeah. sure he maybe maybe has some value. I mean, what do we think in terms of Cano and Edwin here? Edwin, I, I like a lot. Uh, he's a solid reliever, obviously, top closer. Uh, for some reason, uh, I, I know I said before, being on the Mets is a negative, but the anyone in the bullpen on the Mets that's like been a closer, has, if they haven't got arrested for domestic abuse, have been a solid, solid yeah. fantasy and real closer, real reliever. I feel like the bull, like you know, like I said, the, the closers on the Mets are solid for some reason. I really like them adding Diaz. Um, and I feel like they have a solid bullpen around him, too. Um, he'll get the saves, you know, even though the Mets may not win too many games, he's going to get the save opportunities because if they win, they're not winning by much. Yeah, he's definitely the closer. Could very well be the best closer in the league this year. I, I know see, yeah. he gets less opportunities with the Mets, but, you know, he, he he's definitely an elite closer, definitely top three. As far as Cano goes, um, at 36, I got to think that regression is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he hit 300 last year in 80 games, which is um, surprising. But – he, he 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 probably has some regression coming, and even with that regression, he's still a top ten second baseman. I agree. He's going to hit the even though the, the city field's a little bit of a bigger ballpark. He he hits the ball hard. He's got such quick bat speed that he's going to hit the ball out. It's just the fact of if he stays healthy, because he you know plus he has the PED things, which I don't think he'll get suspended for again. But if he in fact did do PEDs, which it seems like he did, you know that takes a toll on your body. Like you said, he's thirty six. I do see regression regression coming too. I do agree he's still a top 10 second baseman. If he broke into the top five, would I be surprised? Honestly, no. But is it likely? I also think no. Yeah, so I, I think Edwin is the top uh, relief pitcher this year. Um, plenty of other people who could make arguments. I mean, Hater, even if he's not a closer, ha- might have a gripe with that. I think with Cano, I'm actually I'm seeing it the other way. I think regression is coming, and I don't like the move to City Field. I just look. We talked about Daniel Murphy at the beginning of the show. I think give me Daniel Murphy over Robinson Cano. And so if I'm saying that, I don't I don't think he's top five for me for sure. I think he's probably fringe top ten. So one last player, uh, Nelson Cruz. Talk about a guy who doesn't seem to to age. You have to think probably regression's coming at some point, but not yet. No. And every year I count him out. And I mean, what do you guys think? He's he's with the Twins now. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he only signed for a one year deal. I mean, one year is 14 million. I feel like he could have gotten gotten more for that, more than that. 37 bombs last year. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, he'll DH for them, which is which is obviously nice, you know, playing in a pitcher's park, which is really, you know, the same thing that he's coming from. He probably could put up similar numbers, maybe a tick down just because of age, but uh, I think he's safe to, you know, at least hit 28, 30 home runs. What are your thoughts on drafting a DH in general? Yeah, I was going to. So we have, we have two utility spots for our league. You know, it hurts a little bit because you're filling one of those spots up, but I mean, standard leagues, I think you, you get one utility spot. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on drafting a DH? From a strategic perspective, it really hamstrings you. So the DH has to be to an echelon that is worth that inconvenience for roster, roster moves. And you probably have to offset that 
um, roster hindrance with some nice multi eligible position guys that can help, you know, substitute in because that utility slot is just locked up with one player all year long. And it really, it really hamstrings you. So does he make it for you in terms of, would you be willing to lose flexibility for him? I don't, I don't personally love it for my own team and drafting style, but he definitely, he definitely is worthy of, of a spot DH spot on someone's team, obviously. Go ahead, Pete. I agree. I was going to say, you know, he is the DH that I would I would do this for. But like Christian said, you're going to have to plan your team around it. You, you can't just go in and be like, oh, Nelson Cruz is here. I'll just take him because he's the best on the board or whatever. He's going to go later than than probably his number should because of that that DH eligibility. You need to go in targeting him. And if you really want him, you need to build your team around him. Because I think if you do build your team around him, you'll get him when you want. Yeah, so my philosophy probably would be to stay away but having said that i think about who i've drafted in past years and i can even think back to billy butler so i could make the argument for him you know he he, he's definitely even capable of upwards of 40 home runs and he's a middle round draft so i definitely could make the case that he's worth it from that perspective i want i i like i don't want to like him but i I, everything that happens i just turn turn back and and i do like him the only thing that that is a little concerning is looking at his numbers, he's hit the lowest amount of home runs that he's hit since 2013, only by three. I mean, he's 37. He was he was from 2014. He's 40, 44, 43, 39, 37. So he's going the wrong way. But I mean, we're not talking about you know 20 home run difference here. Would you rather have him or Joey Gallo, Pete? I would rather have Joey Gallo because he has multiple eligibility, multiple position eligibility. I think that that kind of evens them out. But I think that makes Gallo more useful. I agree. All right. So to close out the show here, Christian, we'll start with you. Give me one fantasy player you're targeting next year. So I'm going to go with Reese Hoskins. I could see him shocking here, absolutely <laughs> exploding this year, especially you know if Phils are able to pull in Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. But you know he's he's an early third round pick right now. I would take him you know mid second round. I think you know he's poised for just a huge year. He, he, last year playing in the outfield. I think really hurt him. You know, you can make the argument that your position doesn't have any impact on on your hitting, but you know they're human beings, and I, I think that his natural position at first base, you know, alleviates some pressure from him, as well as a significantly upgraded lineup. I could see him hitting forty home runs. I, I definitely could see forty. P, who are you targeting? I'm gonna say I'm targeting Marcelo Zuna. I think the addition of Paul Goldsmith is gonna really help Ozuna. He had a solid year last year. He had 23 home runs. He batted 277, 88 ribbies. His OPS was 780, which is a little low. But I, he also was battling a shoulder injury all year. He was fighting through it and playing. And I think they, they shut him down at the end of the year for, for him to really get that healthy. I think coming back fully healthy, having the addition of Goldsman in the lineup with the lineup that they already have. I mean, I don't think Matt Carpenter is going to do what he did last year, but Matt Carpenter is going to be a solid player. He'll get on base. Yeah, I think they have a good enough lineup. Like I said, Goldsman's going to help him. I could see him getting back to maybe not to these numbers, but close to what he had in Miami when he had Stanton and Yelich around him when he hit 37 homers, had 125 RBIs. His OPS was 918. I could see him landing somewhere in between there, but maybe closer to where he was in Miami this year. All right. Well, I, you know, I'm going to circle back to what we talked about today. I am targeting Goldschmidt and 
I like him a lot. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is a free agent walk year for him. I like the Cardinals. I, I think they have a great ballpark. I think they're going to be contenders, so he's going to be relevant. And in a race all year, that's going to energize him. The Diamondbacks always faded. I, you know, I, his career marks, 36 home runs is at the top, 125 RBIs, 32 stolen bases. People freak, don't, don't really think of him that way. I don't think he's stealing 30 bases. But you put all that together, even if I think he's doing 30 and 15 with steals and 100 RBIs, you're getting, you're getting a top 10 player. And so I, I'm taking him in the first round. Standard leagues, I, I'm all in. Any sort of league, I'm in. So Goldschmidt is who I'm going with. So that's all we got for you. Again, uh, my name is Will Hendrick. I'm with Pete Zavante and Christian Betleon. Hopefully you enjoyed our first episode of our Fantasy Baseball Podcast.